0: We will be in Luke chapter 5. I would invite you to join me there if you have a scripture with you. Luke chapter 5, a familiar story to many of us. Hear now the word of the Lord. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the Lake of Galilee, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats that were at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing yet. If you say so. I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for from now on you will be catching people. When they had brought in their boats to the shore, they left everything to follow him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee. It was early in the morning because nobody wanted to be by the Sea of Galilee in the blazing sun of the heat of the day. The the fishermen had spent the whole night out in their boats. The, The fish didn't want to be in the blazing sun either. And so during the day, the fish would dive into the deep, cool water of the lake. And then they would come up at night to feed and to frolic. Fish frolic, I'm sure. So that's when the fisher people would go out and they would cast their nets. They didn't use poles. They would fling them out and then bring in the harvest. Lacking modern refrigeration and transportation methods, they would then bring their catch into the shore and they would set up a little fresh air market right there for people from the passing towns and villages would come by the sea and they would buy their catch for the day. Their dinner and their lunches. People would gather there. On this particular morning, Jesus was there standing by the sea, teaching the crowds. He, he sees a boat and he, he steps into it. Now, usually it's it's proper, those who are boat people here, and you, you know that it's usually proper for the owner of the boat to ask permission, but you know what are you gonna do? Jesus just helps himself in. And there, at the Sea of Galilee, there was this steep embankment. Uh, and and a, uh, you push out a little bit into the shore, and it forms a natural amphitheater. And right there, a few yards, is the acoustic center. And that's where Jesus goes. And he begins to speak. He sits as was his custom, and he preaches. He teaches the crowd. After the sermon ends, and the 15 mandatory verses of Just As I Am are sung, Jesus looks at Simon Peter, and he says to him, push out into the deep water. I want to go fishing. Here is Jesus. He grew up 10 miles from the lake, a a, a lifetime away. He grew up in a carpenter's house, and he looks over at Simon Peter who owns a fishing business, who had worked all night and caught nothing, who had to tend to his nets and get ready to do it all again the next day, the next evening. He says to him, let's go fishing. Let's go out in that deep, cool water where the fish are low and hidden, and let's pull them in. Don't you love when amateurs start telling professionals what to do? In a divinity school, I had a friend friend we'll say that, that uh he developed a, a rash on his arm and he was sure that it was some kind of complicated disease that he had saw in a medical show and so he went to the clinic there on the campus and and sat down the physician came in and he he launched into her about how he had gotten this and, and what it was and it's sure it was this deadly disease and she stopped him and said are you a part of the diff school and he said yes apparently we had gotten a reputation and she said okay um it's poison ivy Take Benadryl and go home. We, we love when amateurs walk in and, and start telling the professionals how to do their job. And here is Jesus, amateur as he is, never been in a boat before maybe, telling Simon to go fishing. But Simon obeys. He, he may not understand, he, he may not under, under know why, but he follows. He goes out into the deep water and his life is changed. Today, we're talking about our third core value, our third core conviction, our walk. We in the Wake Forest Church of the Nazarene, we worship our God. We are formed into a community as we welcome and as we are welcomed, and we walk. We live out our discipleship. That's what we originally called this conviction, our our discipleship. But that's one of those words that, that kind of loses meaning once you step outside of this gathering. Most of you don't spend your days at work asking your, your co-workers how their discipleship was going. I like the, the image of walking. Not only is it an action, not only is it something we do like our worship and our welcome, but walking has this property of going somewhere. There is movement involved. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says to his disciples right before he leaves, Right before he ascends up in heaven, he says to them, go, therefore, and make disciples. Mathetes is the Greek word there. Go and make students. Go and make those who follow after the way. Go and form those who will carry on the traditions and will learn from the past. Those who are formed and shaped to look like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It is passing on what you have learned. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, on the the day of Pentecost, that day when Peter preaches his very first sermon and 3,000 people come forward and are baptized. The scripture says that they, those new converts, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves to learning the stuff that the disciples had just been learning for the past three years. They devoted themselves to think like the disciples think. And so they became the first link in a chain. Those 30 3,000 people, they turned and they began to teach others. They, they passed on what the Christians had learned, that, that we, the followers of the way, the, those who look like Jesus, we, we are meek we love our enemies, that, that we attempt to throw up our nets and fish for people. They taught their disciples how to pray in Jesus name, how to give out of their poverty, not out of their abundance, to see the world and their very bodies as the location of God's salvation. They passed on the formation that they had received. And with each link in that chain, with each generation that was passed on and grafted in, it grew until now, 2,000 years later, in our baptism, we are taught, we are converted, we are formed and shaped by Jesus. But that chain of discipleship that began on the day of Pentecost isn't completed while we are being discipled. It's only completed as we turn and begin to disciple others, as we begin to teach and form and show others the way of the law. But discipleship, this walking in the faith is more than just knowing a bunch of stuff. It's not enough to walk the talk. Excuse me, wait a second. It's not enough to talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus put it this way. If any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves. Let them take up their cross and follow me. Or any who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. The disciples, to be a disciple is not merely to learn from our teacher. It's not merely to, to kind of have a bunch of stuff in our headspace. It is to follow. It is to have our whole life adapted. It is to share our existence and our homes and our way of being Without reservation, discipleship is characterized by establishing a fundamental life relationship with the person of Jesus. But following him with our whole lives, doing the things that Jesus did, going the places that Jesus went, saying the same things that Jesus did, adapting the attitudes that Jesus had. This isn't an easy thing, my friends. There's a, a couple of places and stories are told of Jesus, of those who come to Jesus, and they express how hard it is for him to follow. Luke, later on in Luke in chapter nine, it says, As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to that person, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. He calls out to him. But the person says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. To another, he says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those who are at home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts the hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's hard to do this thing. That we are called to do, to walk in this way, to go the way that Jesus went. The road is narrow that leads to salvation. And those crosses that Christ invites us to bear are heavy. In fact, they're so heavy and it's so narrow that you can't do it on your own. Christian growth doesn't just happen. We don't set Christians out in the sun and let them bloom as if nature will take care of it. You have to cultivate. You have to work. When you look at the saints of the church, those people who have matured in their faith, they got there because other people cared for them. The other people invested in them, taught them, shepherded them, loved them. They got there because they received the gifts of God's grace. Then they spent time in those spiritual disciplines. They got there because they were formed in the practices of the faith. Now, those practices, they aren't ironically difficult or or, or or complicated or esoteric. To be a disciple of Jesus, to walk in the way that he has called us to walk, is to do the, the kind of Sunday school stuff, the stuff you were taught to do very young. You, you pray. And not just the prayer before meals. You you soak your life in prayer. You saturate yourself in prayer. It's reading scripture over and over again, allowing those those texts, ancient and strange, to form and be wrapped around your mind so that your imagination begins to be the scriptural imagination. The practices of the faith are having holy conversations, asking your brothers and sisters in the faith how they are doing, What is God showing them? How are they being shaped? There there are others, too. There's fasting and acts of service. There is giving of tithes and offerings. There is spending time in silence. And it is through these basic things, these small steps that we, as the church, we walk. And we learn who we are. Habitually, routinely, who we are to be. I am, um, by nature, very much predisposed not to share. I, I was not an only child, but there was, you know, four or five years difference, four and a half years difference between my older sister and I, and I was the only boy. So I had my own room, I had my own bathroom. It just—I I was not taught to share. It's my parents' failing. This—this came to me. Uh, this truth was spoken to me by one of my children a few months ago I had uh, I had procured some candy that I did not want to share with them, And one of the benefits of being the tallest person in my house is that I can hide stuff up on high shelves where they don't see it And so I had done this in the kitchen I had a, I had a stash of candy that I had gotten and I was enjoying it and then one of them found it and I was I was upset. I was whining I was grieving the loss of this this candy that I had. And my child looked me dead in the eye and they said, Dad, you're you're a very selfish person. (laughs) Hear me, church. When we are so attached to ourselves, our wants, our desires, our comfort, our legacy, we are not ready for all that God has in store for us. For as we walk with the Lord, we walk away from ourselves. We walk into this strange world of his kingdom that is upside down and bizarre, but is where life is found. Jesus calls out to Simon, put out into the deep water. So church, how are, how are you doing with that? i imagine that that for some this last year these last 10 12 months have, have been a difficult time with our discipleship you're missing those holy conversation you're you're missing that that communal worship you're missing those those practices that happen as we are together and support one another i imagine though for others this time has been a time for you to dive deep into the word that you have found times of prayer and holy silence that have nourished your faith And called you forward. But for all of us. We have the same invitation. We have the same command of Jesus. Push out into the deep water. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Be forever changed. Let us pray. And now, Lord Christ, you who have called us to walk in the way you have shown us. May your grace go before and behind. May it go underneath and above. and May it lead us, O oh God, into paths of peaceful flight. That we may follow after you and that we may walk out our discipleship. In the name of our risen Savior, we pray. Amen. Let us worship the Lord.